thank you, Father God. We're so grateful. And Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I speak that your people's hearts are open and receptive to receive what you have for them on today. I speak, Father God, that they're so open and receptive, God, that they're transformed and they're changed, God into whom you will have for them to be in Jesus' name. I bind every attack and every assignment that the enemy was sent out against us on today. I bind every mind-boggling spirit. I bind depression and oppression right now in the name of Jesus. God, I speak peace be still in the midst of us. God, I loose your love that surrounds us in Jesus' name. And God, I thank you that I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Open your Bibles to a familiar passage that all of us are familiar with, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I want to begin at verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 14. And when we all get there, let us say amen. Amen. For the word of God reads, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then were all dead. And what he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I want to talk about embracing your true identity. Embracing your true identity. When God laid this on my heart, the Lord was letting me know that the body of Christ need to embrace their true identity. Embracing means when we embrace someone, we wrap our arms around them. We hold them tight. We embrace them because we are acknowledging them. And when you embrace somebody as well, it's just like um, coming into like a relationship with that person. So when we embrace our true identity, we're holding on to that identity. We're wrapping our arms around it. We're acknowledging that identity. And an identity is who you are. When we um, do fingerprints, you know, that identifies who you are. They do DNA that identifies who you are. So let's say somebody is missing and they find the body, you know, fingerprints, DNA. Sometimes they use what? The um, dental records and things of that nature to identify that person. But we know when a person get in trouble, they begin to identify them by their record, by the things that they have done through the years. So they have a way of identifying you. But what I want to talk about is the church have lost their true identity. It's not that it's gone. But if you don't recognize who you are in Christ, it's just like you're lost. Even though that you're saved. When we look at identity, I'm going to go over a few things. I said identity is who you are. When we was growing up, we identified with our parents. We identified with the way they raised us and the way they did things. So 
when people would look at us the way we did things, the way we talk, the way we act, they identify us with our family because they know that family. And when somebody in that family get in trouble, oh, I know what family you are part of. We always had problems with that family, so they identify you by that family. So when you're raised by your parents, your grandparents, or whoever you're raised by, people identify you with them because you are closely knitted to them. You have wrapped your arms around them. You holding on tightly to what they um, told you to do. And sometimes with parents, they give you an, an identity really that don't belong to you. They want you to live up to their expectations. They don't look at really who God would have for you to be, but they look up to who they want you to be so they can look good in the eyes of man. And this is happening today in society. People are not really looking at their kids for who they really are. They're looking at their kids for who they want them to be. And they're comparing apples to oranges. If they see sister or brother kids excelling in one area, they want their child to excel in that area no matter what the cost is if they see their sister and brother children dressed in a certain way they want their child to dress that way that child don't know their true identity because we put them in a place that they don't supposed to be in so we have to be so careful as parents trying to look at other children and comparing our children with them. Sometimes we look at other children and we feel like just because they went to college, my child's supposed to go to college. Some children are just not college material. What am I saying? I'm not saying that they're dumb. I'm not saying that they're not, not smart. But some children, maybe God did not intend for them to go to college. Maybe God has another um, area for them to be in. And so that's why. We have to connect to God so we'll know how to raise our children. Some children are have so much peer pressure and so many things going on with them because the parents put them in a place that they should not have put them in. And those children are looking at the parents more than they're looking at where they need to be. So that's why you get suicide. That's why you get depression. That's why you get oppression. Because those parents put them in a place that that's not where they're supposed to be. You can't look at somebody else and put somebody else in their place. That means you're giving them their identity. That's not their identity, y'all. Just because somebody else plays sports, that don't mean your children supposed to play sports. Just because. We have given people identities that does not belong to them. Even in adults, what we do, we see somebody else dressing a certain way, acting a certain way. We take on their identity. Hello, somebody. We take on their identity. We take on the way they dress. We take on the way they talk. Don't let nobody come in here from New York and you hang with them. Now you're trying to act like you're from New York. You're trying to talk proper and you know you're from the country. Don't let nobody hang with you that every word that they say it got to be read on it. Because if you don't say like they say, then you done lost your identity for who you are because they're correcting you too much. It's a lot of us that have lost our true identity because we try to compare ourselves amongst ourselves. And the Bible says it's not wise. So it's a lot of us trying to be like Beyonce. It's a lot of us trying to be about 
people's business that we're watching on television. We're trying to take on their identity. Even when it comes to preachers, we try to take on their identity. T.D. Jake is T.D. Jake. Joyce Myers is Joyce Myers. Paula White is Paula White. There will not be another Paula White. I remember I had done a church service, and it was me and this other lady. And when the lady got up, I, she acted like Paula White. She talked like Paula White. She was doing everything like Paula White. So I'm sitting there with the spirit of the Lord burning on the inside of me. I said, Lord Jesus, if I don't correct this woman today, she's going to think she's another version of Paula White. So the table switched because when the Lord had me to minister to this lady, at the end of the service, God had put on my heart not to take the money from the church. He put that on my heart. So when the lady gave it to me, I gave it back. So the one that was trying to act like Paula White, now she's trying to take on something I was doing and say, yeah, God is telling me to give it back to you too. See, our problem is we try to act like someone we're not. We try to do what other people are doing and it's not for us to do. This is why you see society so messed up because when new trends come out, you feel like you can wear that. You ain't shaped like that to wear that. That's a dummy that got that on. They shape the dummy for what they put the dummy on. And if you look behind the dummy, they got her so tightly pinned up. It looked good, but when she turn around, it ain't good. So we take on the identity as mannequins and try not to eat so much. Try not to do so much so we can take on that identity, but that's not who we are. Whom you associate with is whom you become. And I'm going to say it again. Whom you associate with is whom you become. You begin to change your identity by the person you are associating with. And that person on the outside may look good, may sound good, but on the inside they tore it from the floor up. So they're using things to get an identity. Because they don't know who they are. As apostles say, I know I'm preaching right. With the help of the Holy Ghost, I know because it's some identities up in here that's screwed up. And it shouldn't be that way now that you're in Christ. You shouldn't be getting on Facebook watching somebody turn up or turn out or whatever you call it. And now you feel like you need a little bit of that in your life and you're born again. Something is wrong with that picture. You shouldn't get on Facebook and see people putting new pictures up there. So now you want to show them your new little... You don't know who you are. Because if you truly knew who you are, you wouldn't be trying to look at somebody else to be like they are. That means you want their identity. But you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they've been through. I remember when I was so depressed, didn't know what was going to happen in my life. And I would look at everybody else laughing and having a good time. My first thought was, if I could be like them. But I didn't know what they were going through. Their lives could have been worse than mine. Only thing I knew that they were happy and I wanted to be happy. So I wanted to take on their identity because they laughed all the time. They done things that I wanted to do and could not do. So I was trying to take their identity instead of accepting who I really was. And we got a lot of that in the church. 
People base their title on who they are. And it ain't about your title. People get titles because they want them to identify them by the title. But if you don't know who you are in Christ, title means nothing. You want a title. You want people to know you pastor, you teacher, you deacon, you evangelist, you prophet, you apostle. But if you don't know who you are in Christ, that's nothing. As long as people can be seen, as long as they can teach other people and people know about what they do, they okay. That's a form of pride. You took on an identity of prideful. And some of us are walking in pride and don't even see that pride because we watch everything everybody else do and we take that identity. No matter how wrong it is, no matter if it don't line up with the word of God, we want to be like that. We want to look like that. We want to dress like that. And we get so in tune with that identity, we can't be whom we really are. We can't go nowhere without the hair, without the nails, without the makeup, because we took on another identity and people recognize us with this identity. So they can't see me outside of this identity. Why do people, some people are not satisfied with their selves? Because they don't look at somebody else. They don't look at how, you know, you may see a man that's very muscular. And you want to take on that look because it looked nice. But if that's not for you, that's not for you. No matter how many weights you lift. Or how long you lift them. If you don't know who you really are, that still means nothing. You may get the compliments, but on the inside you're hurting. Some people fall to those things because they can't identify with who they are. When you're not happy with you, there's a problem. Because the Bible tells me that we are fearfully and we're wonderfully made. And my God created us the way he wanted us to be. But when you socialize with people that think they're all of this in a bag of chips, you're going to try to live up to their identity. You're going to try to do what they're doing. I remember when I was in high school, we had a popular crowd. And that popular crowd, they had money, had cars. You never seen them ride up in school with no Humpty. You saw them in nice cars. And I would envy those people because I would say, look, they got nice cars. They got nice homes. But all of that is what made them. And without that, they couldn't live without it. So in my own um, way of looking at it was if I had what they had. But God had a purpose for me. See, your identity, it, it tells you your purpose. And if you don't watch out, you will take somebody else's identity because you are not satisfied with you. When you look at yourself, it's, it's never enough. I need lashes. I need, you know, more makeup. I need this. I need that. What identity are you trying to take on? I need to lose more weight here. I need to build up more here. If we never saw television or never saw the styles... What would you be wearing? Anybody? What would you be wearing? What would you put on if you never saw a style? How would you wear your hair if you never saw the hairstyles? 
How would you do it? Naturally. You would take on the identity that you are satisfied with. This is me. I don't change me because you think I need to be flashy. This is who I am. I'm a quiet storm. I'm not a flashy one. So if somebody tried to flash me up, I'm like, hold up. Wait a minute. That's not me. See, when you truly find out who you are, you don't settle for what people want you to be. Y'all, this is so good. Because God said we have lost our true identity. Because we're trying to be like someone else. We're trying to, and don't get me wrong, they do have stylists. They do have people that uh, tell you what will fit you best. But at the end of the day, you should come in there knowing your style. You should come in there knowing what you want outside of what they're telling you. And that should be the end of it. You shouldn't go on somebody else because everything that fit them don't fit you. Their attitude don't fit you, by the way. Their gestures don't fit you, by the way. The way they walk. Have y'all noticed, where did the pimp come from, the pimping? Who started the pimping? Men? Where did they get it from? So when they started, when whoever started it, started it, then somebody else tried to mimic it and got their own. Who started the pants? Off the behind. Prison. And guys out there with pants off their behind ain't in prison but look like they are. Saying come and get it. But they think that's style. You got older folks trying to keep up with younger folks and can barely make it. Can they get out the bed without saying ouch. But you're trying to act like you in your 30s and you know you up there. Come on somebody. The days of your childhood is over. So you're trying to identify with yesteryears and can't even keep up with yesteryears. Trying to be something that you're not. You're taking on a new identity. So we need to be careful of who we're around and what we're around because we begin to act like them. And that's not the way God intended for it to be. And this is what you call this too, and I'm going here, stolen identity. People are still your identity. You know, that's called theft. Use all your credit, mess you up where you can't get nothing no more. That's a stolen identity. So we're going to talk about the stolen identity a little bit according to the word of God. When we go back to Genesis... The way God created it to be. God created us in his image and after his likeness. That's how God wanted male and female to be. To be representatives of him. To take on his identity. And before God even created them, what did he do? He had everything in place the way he wanted it to be for them. Why did he do that? Because he said, I want you to rule and reign here on this earth. And I want people to know you, your identity represents me, who I am. 
So when he did this, we know that he put Adam in that garden to rule and reign over that garden. But Adam had God's likeness. He had God's characteristics. He had God's spirit. He was totally whole, spirit, soul, and body. But then a thief began to come in in the garden in paradise. Now remember, they had everything that they needed. But the thief began to come into the garden. And the first thing the thief did was begin to twist what God said. See, for somebody to take your identity, they're going to come in there and they're going to twist truth. And they're going to bring in a lie. So this is what he did. He told Eve, did God really say? Did God really say that you couldn't do this or you couldn't do that? So we know what Eve did. Eve believed the lie instead of believing the truth. God's word is final authority. God is not going to change his mind. He's not going to change his word no matter how much we pout, no matter how much we beg God, God remains the same. So when he stole that identity from them, he stole the the authority that God had given them to rule and reign over the earth. He took everything from them. So they had to come out of that garden. But before they came out of that garden, this is what God said. This is the part I want you to look at, dealing with what God said to them when it happened in Genesis 3. After they ate of that fruit, verse 8 says, And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the God among the trees of the garden. Sin will hide. Sin will hide. And God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? Where are you? It's not that God did not know where he was, but God wanted Adam to know where he was. He wanted Adam to know a change have taken place and you need me. See, this is what we got to recognize when people are in sin, when they are sinners, they got to come to know that they are sinners and they need God's help. See, they were hiding from God and God said, where are you? God knew where they were. They were in a sinful state. And then he began to say when he heard his voice, there was fear that came in and he began to hide from God. He began to hide from the very one who created him, the very one who gave him everything that he needed. He began to hide from God. Why? Because they were in sin. The enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. He came in and he stole their identity. He stole who they were in God and not because they didn't have a choice. You have a choice of who you hang with. You have a choice of whether or not you should go on Facebook or not go on Facebook. You have a choice in life of what you should do and what you should not do. So he said, where are you? Then the next thing that he said, when they told him that they were naked and they sold the fig leaves to themselves, he said, who told you that you were naked? See, when you lose your true identity, you lose it because people are telling you you too fat. People are telling you you too thin. People are telling you you too dark. People are telling you you're too light. People are telling you you're not going to amount to anything. People are telling you you can't be a part of this club. People are telling you you'll never get into this college. People are telling you you're going to die at an early age. Who told you that? 
You lose your identity by what people tell you. You don't need to wear that no more. You don't need to do this. You don't need to do that. You don't even know who you are. You identifying yourself by what people are saying to you, not by what God has already said. And the majority of us in this room today, our identities are messed up. Because we're basing it on what somebody else is doing. When this pandemic came out, what did people do? They went to social media. All of a sudden, they're prophets. All of a sudden, they're pastors, they're teachers. All of a sudden, they're intercessors. All of a sudden, they know more than the one that God has put over them. All of a sudden, they took on new identities that God didn't give to them. They took it on themselves because somebody said, oh, you preaching. Oh, you prophesying. Oh, that's the truth. Oh, by the way, that's a familiar spirit. And you don't even know the difference because some of us get so lazy taking on other identities that we can't even identify a truth from a lie. I'm going to say, like Brother Willie say, and I'm not saying it because I took on his identity. <laughs> True that? Hey, when you tell him the truth, I say, True that, Willie? True that? That's Willie language. I don't know where Willie got it from. <laughs> but that's his language. And I remember when he told me something that grandchild said, period, poo. I picked period, poo up from that little girl. I'm like, period, poo. So what am I telling you? We got to be careful what we take on, what we identify with. Just because your daddy went in the military don't mean you military material. Just because your mama was a single, you can't sing. Just take this here. You just can't sing. Somebody need to quit lying to you. Mom and daddy need to quit telling you you a singer. And you got to scratch your throat every time you open your mouth. Quit taking on identities that don't belong to you. To this day, I'll put on makeup, but my daughter refused to wear it. Do I make her? No, that's your identity, baby. Don't put it on, because if you put it on, you got to forever wear it. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't act like you don't know. And some of you don't act like you wear makeup. You got something coming up, them blemishes and them wrinkles. You got a little something, something on. Well, I don't wear no makeup. Come here, let me get a baby wipe. Let's see what you did put on the cover. My skin has always been flawless. Flawless. I don't do nothing. (laughs) All of us take on our identity from somewhere, from someone. All of us are not cheerleader material. But we want to be a cheerleader because they look good out there in them little skirts. I'm talking about identity, y'all. Some of us have truly lost our identity to other people. That identity was stolen from us because other people make us feel like, you know, we're nothing. We're worthless and this is what we have to do to make it. So we take on an identity that does not belong to us. 
This is why you have some people with multiple personalities because they're trying to find themselves. So they took on all these personalities because they don't know who they really are because they're trying to satisfy so many people. Have you ever saw someone that played the church card and then when they get out of church, they act like a fool? They take on the identity of being saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost in church. But when they get out of church, they're the biggest devil that there ever was. See, got more personalities. We need to know what our real identity is. So we have stolen identities. In the world, people steal your identity. They take on you when it really is not you. They mess up your credit, and then they chase them for years to try to find out where they are. By that time, you already messed up. And then the Lord told me, he said, even in marriage, we have our identities messed up through marriage. Before you got married, you was basically trying to find out who you were. But because of rejection, you felt like this man or this woman can bring you something that you never had, which is love. So you take on an identity in marriage that's not really yours. The identity you take on is feeding into that man everything that that man want, when that man want it, how that man want it. And that's not you. You just do it to make the man happy. You take it on his way and not the way it should be. You never got to be yourself. You never got to use your money the way you need to use your money before you got into that marriage. Now you're in that marriage and that man is telling you what to do with money that you never had an idea what to do with because you never knew how to manage anything. So you took on the identity of that husband. His way of doing, oh, you look better in this. Oh, you need to take that off. Oh, you need to lose some weight. And he big as a house. Oh, you don't need to wear those shoes. Oh, you need to do this. Oh, you're getting a little darker, don't you? Ain't you? So your identity is based upon what he thinks, how he feels, because you never really found yourself. So you thought you could find yourself in that man. So, oh, by the way, you need to go work another job because we can't afford to get what I want without you working. By the way, don't quit your job. You taking on his identity. And the reason why he's acting like that, because he really don't know who he is. Hmm. So in marriage, we have identity crisis. We go into a marriage looking looking for something from this man and from this woman that neither one of them can give us. Because we really wasn't whole before we went into that marriage. Some people go into marriage because they need a way out of the home, of the abuse that they're going through. And then they find out they're not even happy in their marriage. They still haven't identified who they really are. So we grab on to things to make us happy. And then some of us right now in our adulthood, even with children, even in a marriage, we haven't had time to identify who we really are because we always been there for the husband, the wife, the children. So we never found ourselves because outside of them, we think we're nothing. Because everything the child want, we're there for the child. Everything the husband want, we're there for the husband. But we never found out what we really want or what we really need. Hello, somebody. 
Everybody want your attention, but nobody want to give you attention because they make it all about them and they leaving you out of the equation. Come on, somebody. So when the house is empty, you don't know what to do or how to do it because, come on, everything was based upon their identities. You identified to them because you thought that's the way it should be. This is why marriages are having crisis. Because we go into those marriages not completely whole. Then we bring children into our mess. And then those children are trying to mount up to where we are or what we expect them to be. And we don't have it together ourselves. So we have identity crisis even in marriages. Then we look at not knowing who you really are is the total point I'm making of your identity crisis. When you don't know who you are, you'll settle for anything or anybody. Because your fulfillment, you're complete, you're complete in Christ. And that's where I'm going. But I had to put all that out there to let y'all know. We got some identity crisis in the church. This is why the church is so tore up and let in and anybody in the church and do in and everything. Because the ones that God have put over the church, they're settling for sin in the church. Because that's what they identify with. They saying that they love God. But I beg you to differ. When you love God, you don't let in and everything in the church that don't represent who you love. You don't let people do anything outside of God. See, when you really identify with who you are in God, you're going to have haters and you should give God a hallelujah for being hated for his sake. But we don't want to give God a hallelujah in that because we don't identify so much with the world that we want to be like the world. So we leave the church because the church is saying, no, that's not God. Because we want to identify with everything everybody else is doing. You see how quick the enemy came in and stole their identity because he made them feel like they were not who God say that they were. They did not have what God said that they had. So it was easy for that identity to be stolen. And that's what he's doing to us today. He does not want us to know who we are in Christ because the moment we grab hold to who we are in Christ, guess what? Nothing missing, nothing broken in him. So he want us to be broken. He want us to feel like we got to do this to get this from God when Jesus done it all. Jesus paid the price for all of us, for all of our sins. So it's nothing I have to do to get what he's already provided because I'm in Christ. Let's go there. Now I want to talk about the scripture. Let's go back to second Corinthians. I had to lay a little foundation, had to open up some people, hearts and eyes, wake up, don't go to sleep today. You're going to miss your true identity if you do. So we look at the Bible, and I'm going to read out the New Living Translation when I go back to verse 14. Listen at this. Either way, Christ's love controls us. When we are born again, when we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior, 
The love of God is shared abroad in our hearts through the Holy Ghost. We have the love of God, y'all. You have no excuse for not loving your enemies. You have no excuse for not loving your brother or sister. You have no excuse because God's love is in your heart. The problem is his love is blocked by hate. His love is blocked by jealousy. His love is blocked by offense. His love is blocked by lust. His love is blocked by what the world does because we don't know who we are. And God is love. So this is what Paul's saying. Christ's love controls us. Conscreeneth means compels us. This is what was keeping Paul in ministry. It was God's love. He recognized it as God's love, not my own. His love constrains me. His love compels me. His love keeps me where I am today. So if you putting a title before your name and you can't love your brother, something is wrong with you. If you got unforgiveness in your heart and you got a title, something is wrong with you because the love of God is going to compel you. It's going to help you in ministry. There's no way you can even lay your head down at night in strife, even with your mate. There's no way you can do that with the love of God. That's why Paul said, either way, Christ's love controls us. Why? Because Paul was going through something in his day. He was going through haters. He was going through trying to let them know who he was now that he's in Christ. It says, since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we all have died to our old life. Let me break that down. The reason why, too, the love was controlling him. The love was compelling him for ministry because he recognized he died for me. He died for my sins, sins that I committed. I know his love because I know he first loved me. See, you can't love until you know first his love and his love is in you. So Paul knew he died for me. Christ died, but the thing that Paul was saying was, he didn't only die, I died with him. That's why Paul was saying, Galatians 2.20, I have been, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I, y'all got to, come on, it's no longer I who live. You got to reckon yourself as dead. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me and the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loves me. It ain't your life no more. You live in his. And when you live in his life, you don't stay in anger. You don't stay in strife. You don't stay in offense. You don't stay in jealousy. You don't stay in envy. You don't stay in gossip because you're in him. And that's not. The way he is. So you died with him. When he was buried. You were buried with him. That means that that old man. That controlled you. That compelled you to sin. Died y'all. 
That's the man that you don't depend on no more because it's dead. It's crucified. It's done away with. Why? Because you're in him now. You're in Christ. You died with him. You died with him. That old life is gone. It's dead. So then he goes on to say in 15, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Oh, y'all get it? That old life, that old man, it died. He died so that way we could live this new life in him. We supposed to live to him and not to ourselves. So if you're still making it about me, myself, and I, you're living to yourself. You're not living unto him with this new life. That's why he said, we've been studying this in Clem, Matthew, the 16th chapter, verse 24. He said, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be a follower, a learner of me, he said, you got to deny yourself. You got to be willing first. See, there have to be a willingness in that. You have to say, this is what I'm willing to do. He's not going to make you do it. Willing mean that. I'm not making it about me no more. It is my desire. It is my pleasure. God, I want to serve you. So in serving him, he said, you got to disown yourself. You got to lose interest in yourself and recognize it's not about me, myself, and I no more. And until you do that, you cannot take up the cross. A cross represents suffering. Do you know why some of us whine and complain when things hit us? Because we ain't denied ourselves. When haters come at you and you whining and complaining, you still stuck on you, that's pride. When somebody come at you in the wrong way, when you know you ain't done nothing wrong. Oh, y'all, I've been come at in all kind of ways, been stuff thrown at me and everything. But I still showed the love of God. When I've been mistreated, when I've been lied on, I still prayed for my enemy. I still talked to them. Was I hurting on the inside? Yes, I was. But I was determined to say, God, for you I live and for you I die. That means it's not about me. When I know I haven't done anything wrong, I'm going to love them with the love of God. Because it's not about me. Because my old self, I died. So I'm making it about Christ. That's what compels me. That's what keeps me the way I am when I forget about how I feel or forget about what people said or how they said it or when I give and they don't give. I forget about that because I'm living the life of Christ. Somebody need to say, help me, Lord. Rain down on me now. Because we got a room full of me, myself, and eyes. We got a room full of people that say I'm anointed and appointed and don't know how to shut your mouth. You don't have to tell nobody how anointed you are when they come at you. If you so anointed, you will study to be quiet. But we say it's not about us, but we whine and complain about what somebody done unto us. 
Let's go back through that verse. Matthew, is it 16, 24? Pastor, you checked it? 16, 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples. Who was he talking to, y'all? You sure about that? Then said Jesus unto his disciples. If any man, any man, and gentlemen, that means woman too. That means children too. If any man will come after me, let him, who's he telling to do it? Let him deny himself. Are we truly willing to deny ourselves? Are we truly willing to lose interest in ourselves? Do y'all know what that means? Some of the things that we were used to doing, that old man. I'm going to talk about the, per- the old man that died. See, the old man was used to lusting. The old man was used to fornication, adultery, witchcraft, all that stuff. The old man was used to, but this is what God is saying. I got to get to this verse. Let me get to the verse. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. See, when you know that you're living unto him, when you're living unto God and not living unto yourself, You stop evaluating others from a human point of view. Y'all get that? Let's move on. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. That means that this is who talking? This is Paul. He's talking about the ones that walk with Jesus. The ones that talk with Jesus. He was in human form. He said, that's how we looked at him. He said, How differently we know him now. How did they know him now? By the word and the spirit. By the word and the spirit. This is the problem. We have to get in the word to know him by who he is. But our problem is we're looking at people by flesh. You Let me go on. Verse 17. I got to read this out of here. Listen at this verse 16 again. Out of, listen at this. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. We don't know even ourselves no more after the flesh. Let me break it down. That flesh represents some stuff. I called it out. The works of the flesh. We know what they are. Fornication, adultery, witchcraft, idolatry. What else is it? Everything. So we don't even know ourselves by that no more. We know know ourselves by who we are now that we're in Christ. So when those things pop up, that ain't me. That's not the life I live. I live my life by Christ, in Christ. I don't live my life according to who I was. That's when you get to verse 17. You can't even go to verse 17 until you understand the previous verses. He said, you don't go on the flesh. You do not judge. You do not look at people by the flesh. You don't. You got to see them by the spirit. And it says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, you got to be in Christ to be a new creation. 
The new creation is in your spirit. You are three-part being, your spirit, your soul, and your body. Your spirit is already born again. Your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotion is working at being born again, being saved. The spirit is already saved. The soul is not the one that got saved. The body, it has been redeemed. It has been paid for. But guess what? That body is not going to be like it's supposed to be until Jesus come back. So we got to understand that. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. That new creation is in your spirit. Your spirit has been made new. Everything you need is in your spirit. And he said, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So the old things is that old nature. What that old nature represents, it is passed away. It is dead. The things that have become new is that newness that come through your spirit. So the enemy is touching the soul because he don't want the soul to connect to the spirit. Because if the soul connect to the spirit, it's going to flow to the body. And people are going to see your new identity now that you're in Christ. He don't want people to know your new identity. That's why he's keeping you in strife. That's why he's keeping you in pride. That's why he's keeping you in offense. That's why he's telling you you don't have to apologize. If you've done nothing, Christ will apologize for nothing. There it is. There go the cross. He done nothing. He was an innocent man. But he didn't open his mouth. They talked about him. They ridiculed him. But he said nothing. He said, it is finished. And he always recognized his father. It was never about him. He always went and pointed to the father. Even when he prayed, he looked up in heaven and he said, father. He recognized his father. And when they got ready to take him, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. He recognized his identity. He recognized where he was from. He didn't base his life on what the world was doing. He based his life on the kingdom of God. Your identity is based upon kingdom. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. It is not based upon what's happening going on around you. When you know who you are. When you can embrace, acknowledge, hold on, wrap your arms around your new identity, you will stop going through half this mess you're going through on earth. Because that stuff should move you. You, We should be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the works of the Lord. Why? Because I know my identity. When they hurt you because you're in him, they're hurting him. When they talk about you, they're talking about him. That's why he said vengeance is mine. But if we never see ourselves, if you never see how you're trying to bring up that old man, when somebody's coming to you in love and you striking at them like a, a rattlesnake, that's not your new identity. That's not Christ. No. We're supposed to show the characteristics of him. And then people can identify us being in him. They can identify us with being in Christ. Y'all, to be honest with you, 
So many of us still got the ways of the world. Because that's all we talk about is what the world do and how the world do it and which way the world done it. When are they going to see how God is doing things? When are they going to see us walking by faith and not by sight? When are they going to see us when the bills are piling up and you can't get a loan from a bank, but you're standing still and seeing the salvation of the Lord and know that he already done got it worked out? When is the banker going to see that God come through when your credit is tore up from the floor? When is the world going to see your new identity? When man say no, God said yes. He said all of his promises in Christ Jesus is yes and in him is amen. When we recognize him is when we can't get credit. When we can't get a man. When we on our dying bed. Now we want to look up. We're supposed to be looking up every day. Because we don't know what's coming. So we identify with heaven and bring it to earth. Y'all didn't hear what I said. We identify to heaven and we bring heaven to earth. We can't have two masters. Well, man said this and God said this, but let me see what man going to do before I see what God is going to do. If it don't work with man, our father. He your father now. See, you don't even know where you belong or who you belong to. That's why the Bible says, seek ye first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing things. Oh, and he gives you a promise. He said, when you seek me above all this stuff, he said, you should know all these things shall be added unto you. But the first thing we have to know is our identity now that we're in Christ. You got to know you have a new identity and that identity is not based on your parents. It's not based on your job, your friends. It's not based on your husband. It's not based on your wife. It's not based on your children. It's based on Jesus Christ. So until we get to know our new identity, we're going to keep going through the same thing. And I have recognizing what had me to go. Well, we know God had me to go back through it with the help of the Holy Spirit. I'm seeing people save and don't know who they really are. Because when you know who you really are, when God gives you something, you take what he gives you. When he gives you manna from heaven and it's raining down on you, that manna he gave them from heaven, they ate on that for 40 years. Wasn't a feeble one amongst them. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. They made it. The reason why Christian folks are not making it and hollering hallelujah is because you don't know who you are. Because when we know who we are, when everything seems like it's shaking, we should be standing still and seeing the salvation of the Lord and say, Lord, I thank you because I don't identify with the world. I identify with you.
And everything that's going on now, you have already taken care of it. So, God, I'm going to stand on what you're saying and not on how I'm feeling. When we depend on man, we lost our dependency on God. That means that we are not identifying with him. We're identifying with the world. If anybody in this room is dependent on man, I don't care if it's your husband, your wife, your sister, your brother, then you got a problem if you're born again. Because first and foremost... He do put husband and wife together, but he don't put them together to depend on them first. He put husband and wife together to know that God is our source. God is the one that takes care of us. God is the one that tells us what to do and how to do it. God, I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to trust in you today because I know that I'm in you and you are in me. And you said if I abide in you and your words abide in me, I can ask what I will and it shall be given unto me. Right now, God, I don't know how it's going to happen, but you said you will take the impossible and you will make it possible, God, if I believe. But God, I thank you that the joy of the Lord is my strength. God, I'm going to live off the fruit of the spirit that you have given me in on the inside of me. God, I need some long suffering right now. So I thank you that the long suffering that's coming from you, God, that I can live it through me. God, I thank you for the peace, the joy, and the love even through this situation because God, everything I need is already in me because Christ is in me, my hope of glory. So I'm going to honor you. I'm not going to honor this situation. Though I'm racked in pain, God, healing is already mine. So I'm going to say by Jesus stripes, I am already heal outside of my pain because I'm identifying with healing because I'm identifying with you God though my bills are piling up I'm not gonna identify with lack I'm gonna identify with more than enough because my identity is in you for in you I live and you I die and in you I have my being and you I live and you I move and in you I have my being so my identity is not in this world I'm in it, but I'm not of it. So everything I do is going to look crazy to this world. Because I have a new identity. I don't identify with the world. So call me crazy. Call me whatever you want to call me. But I know who I am. And whose I belong to. When we know these things, we can embrace. Our true identity. Quit trying to be someone else. Quit trying to follow their lead. Quit trying to get the shapes of these celebrities that's getting Botox, Botox something. That's why they shape like they shape. They got to stick something in there to shape them. And you trying to look like them. You ain't got the money to do all that. Speak to the part you want to blow up. Speak to it. Y'all laughing. But it works. I'll give you an example. I remember when I had went through depression, I had lost weight, and I wanted to gain some weight in some areas, and I went to God just complaining, complaining to God all the time. Then one day I heard the Lord say, speak to the part. That you want the weight to come on. I said, all right, God. So every day I would look in the mirror and I would point to it and I would speak to it and I would tell it what I wanted. So I forgot all about it, y'all. One day I looked in the mirror. I said, God, I didn't ask for all that. 
It's the truth. I said, God, he said, quit speaking. What is it? What you don't want and speak what you want. He said, speak according to my word. Y'all, we mess up because we're trying to do it the way the world. And let me, let me give you an example. When I say spirit, soul, and body, the spirit is the real you. The soul is your mind, your will, and your emotion. And then you have your body, your earth suit. The body is only going to feed off of the soul. That's why the Bible said, be not conformed to this world. That means that you cannot go after the patterns of the world, the way the world of doing things. He said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That way you will prove what the perfect will of God is. But I want you to understand this. Some of us saying, well, God, I got saved, but I don't see change. I'm going to give you an example. If you were fat or skinny before you got saved, when you get saved, you're going to look the same way. The only change was in your spirit. Now, if you want to change how big you are, how small you are, to change how big you are, it's the fork that's in your hand. So you got to put the fork down or quit taking so many bites at the buffet and saying, thank you, Jesus. You got to back away from the table and the fork. Quit saying, God, I should be smaller. But God want to help you, but you got to help yourself. He already done help you. Back off from the table. I guarantee you back off from the table and quit eating so much. Everything God made is good. It's not what you eat, it's how you eat it. You don't live to eat, you eat to live. Some of us just eat so good. I had a plate the other day, y'all, it was so good. It was better the second go round. Y'all, did anybody eat leftovers? Seemed like you could taste it better the second day or the third day. So I'm sitting there eating, mm, 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 mm. it was so good. And in my mind, I'm saying, I'm going to load it up again. But then my heart say, push away. I took the plate and pushed it away and say, no more. And I got up and left the table. But if you follow in flesh, flesh will wipe you out before your time. Flesh will kill you if you allow it to do. Too. That's why we crucify the flesh and we live according to the spirit. The Holy Spirit is saying no, but the flesh is saying yes, yes, yes. Then after the flesh get what it want, then you feel like you want to die, die, die. How do you feel like you want to die? Especially when you commit an adultery on your husband or on your wife. The flesh is saying go on into it. Now nobody see you go on into it and you go on into it. And then after it's over, you feel like now you love your wife or your husband. Mm. Because your flesh got what it wanted. Because see, when you take on a new identity of Christ, you flee fornication. You flee adultery and quit blaming it on your family. You have a new identity. And even when you're in sin, you know right from wrong. You know not to have an affair. Even in sin, you know better. Hello, somebody. This is a touchy subject. Because you can even lust in your heart after a woman. That means you desiring to have that woman in your heart. I ain't slept with no woman. Yes, you have. You've done it in your heart. You already done it. You already slept with them. 
So what am I saying? When you take on a new identity of Christ, you love your wife the way Christ loved the church. And when that stuff come in your, get out of my head, you better replace it with your wife face or your husband face. Because as long as you look at something for a long time, you already had it. You may not have purchased it, but you already had it. And guess what? It's going to come out sooner than later, either the person's name or something else. So embracing your true identity that's in Christ and not in you and nobody else. We have a new identity in Christ Jesus. And we're going to talk about this a little bit longer because it's part of the kingdom of God. And it's a part of who you supposed to be in him and not in yourself. Quit trying to please your mate. And you're not happy. I'm going to say this again. And I can say, before I got to know God the way I know him now, that man was a God. Yes, he was. And I didn't even realize he was a God until I got to know L.L. Yon. And then I looked at him as, he's my husband. But he's everything. Because when my husband couldn't hold me the way he needed to hold me when I was going through, I had a father who could. I had a father who took me places that my husband couldn't take me. I had a father who loved me to the point of even when I messed up, his love didn't change for me. See, in a marriage when you don't really know God, it's based on performance. It's based on what he or she can do for you or how they can do it or what way they're doing it. God don't look at me like that. God loved me outside of me. And I have to see myself for who I am in him in order to love you. And if I don't love you, it's because I really don't see my new identity in Christ. Come on and give Christ a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. Embracing your true identity.